All right. Good morning. Good morning. Glad that uh, everyone's here this morning. Going to jump off into the deep part of the pool today. Uh, this is a two-parter. So we are going to be talking about postmodern thought and the Christian. How the world is slouching towards destruction. This is going to be a two-part. Uh, it was supposed to be at the end of the month and then the beginning of October, but I had to switch because of details. And so I'm going to do the first part here, and the second part I think is the first week in October. So this is going to be um, an interesting study. I just want to call out Michael Antos. He's the one who really encouraged me to do this and reformat it. I did it once a long time ago, so figured let's do it again. <sighs> Notice it's got an Australian flag on it. So Anglican Bishop John Reed uh, tells this story of these two Australian sailors just off the ship in England, and they wander off into the night and they find the nearest pub. And they sit there for quite a while. And then when they were done, they stagger out into the night, into the foggy, thick fog night of England, looking for a place to stay. And they look, and there's a figure walking toward them. Now, they didn't know who it was, but the man walking toward them was a very highly decorated English naval officer. Okay? Prim and proper in the whole nine yards. So as he gets closer, the one Aussie said, Hey, you bloke, do you know where we are? And the naval officer got really, really offended by this. And he says, Do you men know who I am? And the gentleman looks at his buddy. And he says, Oh, we're really in a mess now, eh? We don't know where we are, and he doesn't know who he is. <clears throat> this is the problem with modern day society we don't know who we are we don't know where we are we can't define anything we make up whatever we want we change things we don't like and it doesn't matter what happens we forget about it this is modern society. This is modern thought. This is the way people think today. And so this is what we're going to tackle. The first part of what I'm going to do today is just to show you the system, where it comes from. And then next time we will go over the antidote. So we'll get as far as we can. I've got a specific point in mind to get to. So how did we get here? How did we get here? There's four steps. We have what's called pre-modernism. We have modernism. What's the next one? Ah, sorry, the slide. It's the slide. I caught you there. Caught you. It's, called, it's the slide. I added that section, by the way. And then... It's postmodernism. So there's basically three different systems of thought. They're all in use today. And then, of course, there's the slide into the eternal, the bog of eternal stench. The bog of eternal stench, which is from a certain movie of ages past. So, what is pre modernism? Here's the question. What? Well, let's start here. It is the system of thought that both the natural and the supernatural exist side by side. Okay. That's pre-modern. That's how pre-modern man thought. And I'm not telling you that it's like Neanderthal man. Okay. This is what man has had in his heart and his mind from creation up until, I don't know, 1700s. This was the majority of the way people thought. God 
or the gods played a large part in both society and in the, in the individual's life. Okay? They looked to not only what was going on around them, but they looked to the skies. And they said, either God is doing something or the gods are doing something. Right? If you thought of uh, ancient Greek or the Romans, they had multiplicity of gods, right? So, and people were always directing their attention towards them. People le leaned more towards the supernatural cause of events, right? Do you remember growing up as a kid and there was a thunderstorm outside? This is what my mom used to tell me. And I used to say, Mom, what's going on? And she used to say, Well, the angels are bowling, right? You guys remember? I remember that. Right? It, it's like a, a supernatural cause for events. And then later on, you say to yourself, no, it's not. It's science, right? Lightning splits the air. It causes the air to move. That causes the sound. The thunder comes into play. And of course, sound travels at a certain speed and it travels across the air. And then we hear it. And the farther the, the light is from the sound, you know if the storm is moving away from you, towards you, or whatever, right? We learn that. But they used to think, oh, Thor's angry. He's throwing his hammer around. Oh, this is really bad. We need to appease the gods. Go kill a goat or something, right? That's what they would think. This was the way the world reasoned for most of his existence. The majority of the world thought this way. <clears throat> and there are still people who hold to this position. There are many people because there's many religions in the world. Many. And many people still believe this. <clears throat> course these are probably the lower class people in today's society then you come to what is called modernism now modernism throws something away can you guess what they threw away of the two parts that were pre-modern which one got tossed the supernatural right modernism starts with the fact that the supernatural is rejected and that Everything in the world must be explained by science or logic or reason, right? We can't have God in the picture anymore. It's just what I think, what I can reason, what math can tell me, what science can tell me. That's all we have. That's it. This allows humanity to find the one true answer for everything. Is that, is, is that real? Like science will tell us the one true answer? If you know anything about science, you know that science is never settled. Science needs to be debated and gone over, right? So they're just crazy. The modern world was probably from 1789 to 1989 ish. I'm gonna, you know, it's it's in there somewhere, but it started in in the late 1700s at least. We can go there, and there are many people who believe in this philosophy today okay it's not gone away but it's it's still here now there was a slide and it starts with rationalism and i'm sorry for all these big huge terms um i will try to make it simple and break it down for you so that everyone understands it rationalism 17th century ideology reason is the primary instrument for understanding everything in the universe reason Man's reason. Now, I bet you you can think of a scripture that goes against this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads unto death. Man can't reason his way out of a paper bag. And yet he tries to use reason to discern times and season and ages and futures and all this other stuff. And he usually, it's a disaster. And then we have what's called empiricism. You know what that is for you science physics nerds? I'm a science physics nerd. I took physics like three times. And things can only be known through empirical verification. Now, what's empiricism, right? The senses, right? Things I can touch, things I can smell, things I can see, things I can hear, things I can taste. I, that's the only way that I can verify if something is right or not. Okay? But... I can deceive myself, can't I? My senses can deceive myself. I was watching a video yesterday of some Christians. I can't believe it. I just wagged my head. I'm using the New Testament vernacular, wagging your head. 
they believe there's two suns floating around. Two. Two suns in the sky. Two. Did you hear me? Two. I want to talk to Mike Antos about this. Two. They believe China created a sun and cast it into the... Into, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'm not saying I believe it. Two. Oi. I'm telling you. It goes along with flat earth theory, okay? So now you know where they're coming from. Next is Darwinism. Mr. Antos does a fantastic job with this in his three moving to four-day class. And we know what it is, the biological theory that all species and organisms develop through natural selection of small variations. Wow, Bill, really? Evolution? Evolution, right? That the sponge became a fish, became a cow, became a whale, right? Very silly, and there's no intermediate species, and Mike can tell you all about that. Or you can go to the Creation Museum, which some of you did. And then there's something called existentialism, and this is something that Chris likes to talk about a lot, existentialism. He is not an existentialist. He just likes to talk about it. Uh, it's a rebellion against the traditional school of philosophy, which um, philosophy isn't a bad thing. It's a thinking about things unless you get really weird about it. But what existentialism does, it's a revolt against reason. It's, as my son Jake wanted me to put a picture in here of yellow dump truck. You guys all know what yellow dump truck means, right? If you know me, you know, wh what does that thing mean? Well, yellow dump truck, which means it could be anything that I want and I chose yellow dump truck to describe it, okay? And it could have been a fish. No objective, rational, absolutism, or universalism. There's nothing that is absolute in this. And then it centers on the subjective experience of thinking, feeling, and acting. So now you know where we're going. Because postmodernism is rejection of both the natural and the supernatural. So now they've tossed science and reason out the door, okay? If you keep up with the news and with what's going on in the world, you will see that this is exactly where we sit. People are this crazy. They are in this camp, okay? And we're going to touch on some of the subjects but it substitutes the individual and their own perceptions and feelings. We can break this down into six, six subcategories. We're going to do it. And it goes like this. There's no objective theory of truth. There's no objective reality. There's no universal transcultural standards for beliefs. That I find kind of weird because culture is strong. And yet these people just toss it. Um, there is no standard for determining the value of something. There are no fixed meanings for words, text, sentences, or utterances. That's important for Christianity. And there is no fixed reference for self. And, of course, that's where you get your 98,264 genders, okay, that they got talking about today. Because there's no self anymore. It's goofy. It's demonic. That's what it is. So let's start rolling. There is no objective theory of truth. There is no objective theory of truth. Now, Larry, when he was speaking last time up here, he talked about truth and where it comes from. And I thought to myself, that is a great springboard into this, into this. It starts out, everything is relative to how one feels, okay? So when you think of truth, like let's say you have a two liter of, of um, Mountain Dew or Coca-Cola or whatever, right? Somewhere in the world, there is a standard for what one liter is. So you can actually take your two liters and measure it up against the standard. And that standard is truth. And then if you have less than that, well, then they lied to you. You only got 1.7 liters instead of two, and they charged you too much, and you should sue them and win a billion dollars and retire. Um, <clears throat> everyone can make up their own ever-changing truth. This is what this means. If there's not a truth, then everyone has their own. 
and you can make it up and it's ever changing. In other words, whatever you're going through, you can modify the truth that you're, you have. Uh, a Buddhist believing in reincarnation is true, but an atheist who also believes there is no God is also true, and a Christian believing in a God and the resurrection is also true. So in other words, there is no absolute truth. It's whatever truth that you want at that moment. And they can all coexist at the same time. Tommy's looking at me funny because it doesn't work. We know that. As, as believers, we know this makes zero sense. Okay? But we're not talking about people that are rational. We are talking about people that are irrational. And this is how they think. We, as Christians, what does the Bible say? We have the mind of Christ. Is that true? In other words, we have been given his spirit. And his spirit directs us, the Holy Spirit, into truth. Because Jesus Christ is the way and the truth. So we have in our mind and in our heart a notion and a, a, a push and a longing to understand truth. Because God has put it out there for us. These people don't have that. When people have this theory, it's because they're not saved. The, the problem is, is that there are Christians who are buying into this. There are Christians who are buying into this stuff, um, which is like self-defeating. Why would you do that? Um, so postmodernism does that. Now, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not going to continue to say postmodernism. It's just too many letters, and it's too many syllables, and I'm done. Okay, I'm going to call them POMOs, and that's it. Okay, that's it. It's shorter, it's faster, and it you now you know what I'm saying, so now you know what I mean. I've just redefined a term, right? So POMOs, maybe I shouldn't use that. <laughs> POMAS, POMAS, there we go are suspicious of any final claims or anyone who claims to have authority. Okay? So this sits in this category. So in other words, if Stevie were to come up to me and say, hey, or you know, go talk to a postmodern dude, and he'd say, hey, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that guy would say to him, well, there is no one who has complete authority, not you or Jesus. Now, just a little refutation here. What did that guy just do? He just claimed that he had authority to say that you don't have authority. Okay? So, whatever they say is self-contradictory, self-defeating, and they just don't get it. All right? Here's an interesting story. Um, it's by, it is by Ravi. I love the man for what he did all those years. Um, he got caught doing something terrible, which people still debate. But um, he remembers lecturing at Ohio State University, one of the largest universities in the country. He was going to the Wexford Wexner Center for the Performing Arts. Now, this is like it was the first actual postmodern building in America. Okay. And you're thinking to yourself, what? Yes. Well, I have pictures. Um, he said, what is a postmodern building? Well, the guy told him it's the architect that designed this building with no design in mind. When he, the architect was asked why, he said, if life itself is capricious, why should our buildings have any design and meaning? He, so he, he has pillars that have no purpose. He has stairways that go nowhere. He has a senseless building built and someone has paid for it. So, Ravi said, so his argument was that if life has no purpose in design, why should the building have any design? He said, that's correct. And I said, and then he said, did you do the same thing with the foundation? And the guy was silent. Because if you mess with the foundation, your building collapses. See, they have no foundation. It's just all show. Right? So... Here's some examples of their architecture. I mean, seriously. So the turret on the 
on your left, right, is split. Um, you see some of the building is white, some of it's red brick. You've got this entrance way that looks really goofy of white structures, and then you've got like a tan part over here. Um, there's no symmetry. There's no nothing, right? Nothing there. You look at this building, you're going like, really? Were you on drugs? Probably. Um, inside, if you look at this, see the lights? The lights aren't symmetrical. They're just some are higher, some are lower, some are angled, 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 angled. You've got on one side wood. You've got on the other side glass. You've got up there, you got gray. Um, some of the stairs start large and then they go small. This next one's really nice. Um, you've got a beam that goes into the stairs. You've got a beam that goes and stops. You've got a beam coming down from the ceiling that stops, right? This is a postmodern building because it goes along with their brain. It's mush. It's a mess. And it's goofy, you know, and P art, you know, they think this is fan. Oh, isn't this great? No, it's not. It's dumb. You know, I don't care if it's artsy fartsy. It's just not right. The second thing we have is no objective reality, no objective reality. Okay. Your reality is based on your feelings. How do you feel? Right. This is always the question nowadays. How do you feel, Brad? How do you feel? How do you feel? Jeannie, how do you feel? Right? Because I want to know how you feel. Because that makes up everything. How you feel. Are you feeling good today? Are you feeling bad today? Are you feeling like a man today? Are you feeling like a cat today? Right? Whatever. How do you feel? Your reality is independent of any human thought. That's a fact. Language or theory. Independent of any human thought. Do you understand? Because it's how you feel. How you feel. There are many ways that the world works. A good example is the argument there, there are over 50 genders. At the typing of this, there was over 50. Now I think there's like over 90. They're making them up like every day. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's so goofy. What is it? it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No universal transcultural standards for belief. Now this one if you've ever been to another country, you know that most countries have their own cultural standards and beliefs, right? If you went to India or you went to China or you went to Japan or you went to Korea, you would know that they have their own culture. And out of that culture came beliefs, right? Just like Germany or Sweden or France or Spain, right? But there are no standards for a cultural belief. There's none. Um, is it okay to believe in the reincarnation? Well, sure it is. It's perfectly fine, but maybe not for other cultures, right? Because it's not a standard. What about the resurrection? Well, that's fine, but maybe not for anyone else. Well, what about stealing from others? Did you know that there are some cultures that believe that stealing is perfectly fine? Did you know that? But... It's okay for some cultures, but not for others. It's not the universal standard. It's not anything, and it doesn't translate anywhere. So um, I've been watching a series, and Julie will be really appreciative of this. It's a South Korean series, right? And you see their culture in the show. It means nothing. It means nothing. It's just made up, and it doesn't matter doesn't matter that's weird because there are some things like i i had a class on japanese culture and we know where japanese culture comes from right it comes from wet rice agriculture everything of their modern society most of it comes from the fact that they used to live in little groups and there was one man over the group and everyone did what he said and it didn't matter they just followed and then when you had the hierarchy come into Japan, they just obeyed. And then when you had the one leader in Japan, they just obeyed, right? That's the way it was. <clears throat> and some things in their culture I think are really cool. For instance, did you know that in their schools, they make the children clean their schools? They make the children appreciate the things that they have. 
to take care of the things that they have. I think that's fantastic. That's part of their culture. They also teach their children to respect their elders. So when you walk into a house, they talk first. You don't. You respect your elders to the nth degree. I think that is fantastic to respect your elders. But to the postmodernists, who cares? Who cares? Because they can make something else up. It doesn't matter. It's really weird. Um, no standard for determining the value of something, right? And this hits at a lot of different subjects in our lives. The value of a thing or a person is only in the eye of the one looking, right? It's only in the eye of the beholder. Does your culture not value women or children? There are some cultures that do not value women or children, right? In fact, America had a culture of killing children in the womb. We did not value life, right? There's no value except for the person in their own mind. So think about that when you think about the fact that it was God who created us. He knit us together in the womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Life begins at conception. And yet, there are people who think it's okay to destroy that. Up to the ninth month, and now even some people believe even after they're born. Even after they're born. So, how about the elderly? There was a man in Michigan you'll remember, who believed that it was okay to kill the elderly, right, Dr. Kevorkian, because they have no value, no value. Well, that's because we don't respect our elders and we don't know that they have so much wisdom, right? Think about the World, the, the, the world War II veterans and the things that they have gone through. We're, you know, we're, there are not many left anymore. But think of all the wisdom of the people that grew up in that generation that they could give us. And how many people actually sat and talked with them. So value. For one culture, you know, value of women is fine. For another, it's not. Does your culture value slavery and murder? Well, we know of a culture that does, right? The Middle Eastern cultures... If you steal, they cut your hand off. They go to the exact extreme. If you go from Islam to Christianity, they kill you. They kill you. Murder is fine. Right? No value. They have, they've changed the value structure of what God had to what they had. And then does your culture value rats and cows above people? You know what I'm talking about, right? In India... They have temples to rats, and you have to take your shoes off. It's gross. And if you step on a rat, you owe big money. You owe big money because you just killed Uncle Frank, right? And you can't eat that cow because that's Aunt Georgina, right? Because karma says that what you do in this life reflects in the next. See, karma is just not reaping what you sow. It's what you do in this life is what you come back as next time. So if you're, you do bad things in this life, you come back as a cockroach, right? Now, if you become a cockroach, if you're the best cockroach you can be, maybe you come back as a cow, right? Because cows are sacred. See how this works? The problem in India is that if you're a beggar, your children will be beggars. And they'll break their kids' arms and legs to make them better beggars. Just weird. Just weird. So, value. No fixed meanings for words, text, sentences, or utterances. Think about this. These things only find meaning by the reader or the hearer. Okay? Isn't that weird? So you could read something... And then come out and spurt out yellow dump truck. This is where this fits. I should have a picture of a yellow dump truck. Thanks for telling me. The reader or hearer can interpret 
everything however they want. It's almost allegory, right? This is like akin to allegory, making up what you want. Okay? For example, there is no book of Romans, right? We all believe in the book of Romans. There's book of Romans. Paul wrote it, right? No, there is no book of Romans. There is Paul's book of Romans, but there is also Luther's or the Lutheran's book of Romans, but there is also the Marxist book of Romans. Do you understand what I'm getting at? There could be a Michael book of Romans. There could be a Chris book of Romans. There could be a this person book of Romans. It, whoever reads it has their own interpretation of the book. So there's not just one interpretation, many applications. Throw it out. Right? Another great example. Define the word, word woman. Define it. It's whatever I want it to be. It's whatever you want it to be. Weird. Sorry, I'm a biologist. I know what it means. Okay? So I understand, but these people don't. They don't. It's demonic. It's demonic, and we're going to see that. Now, Jacob said I had to have this because this is utmost importance to where we're going. Okay? Because it's very important. It is. This is serious. This pinky in the brain did the best expose on postmodern art in cartoon ever, ever, okay? Here's the brain walking up to the gallery of modern art, and he's exactly right because it's a toilet, okay? Now, he wants to take over the world, right? Always wants, what are we going to do today, brain? Try and take over the world. Right. And he would say that. So he's going to become this great artist and make paintings that people are going to sell, but, you know, buy and he can get all this money. He needs 27 million to buy Russian rockets to hold the world ransom so that he can rule the world. Um, so he becomes this great artist type person and he's painting. So there used to be paintings, you know, of mama ism and papa ism and all these isms. Right. Because it changes. So he creates donutism and he may he just paints pictures of donuts and they're really great and the the artsy fartsy people come up and they're giving all their dumb words and they're saying oh this is fantastic and blah 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 blah, blah. and then brain or pinky comes along and he drinks the paint and sneezes it onto the painting right and that's what you have in this picture and then brain goes oh it's nasalism nasalism it's the new paint and these people, see the art people, the postmodern people, they think this is fantastic. So then they start creating all these nasalism pictures, and it, it goes on and on. And finally, what happens is, is Brain says, oh, you know what? A, a artist is never really appreciated until they die. So they fake Pinky's death, and now his paintings are worth millions, right? So they're at auction. They're selling all his paintings, and they got $27 million, just enough, right, to take over the world. And Pinky is so confused that he's supposed to be dead, but he's not. The last painting is up there, and Pinky goes, I want it for $27 million. So it wipes out the whole bank account. Now they're broke. We have one painting, and we can't take over the world. But they're exactly right about postmodern. Anything. It has no meaning. And people just love it people just love it and that's exactly what it is postmodern art postmodern philosophy whatever you put postmodern in front of you destroy it you destroy it okay is that good is that good we got a perfect understanding of what postmodernism is <clears throat> no fixed reference for self no fixed reference for self self is a societal construct, and it is to be formally rejected. In other words, whatever the society tells you or the culture tells you or the Bible tells you or whatever else tells you, throw it away. There is no basis for self, okay? Being a father, a brother, son, or uncle have no meaning. No meaning. The individual makes up their own self. And now 
you see where some in our society, especially the young, get this from. Because this is the driving philosophy that's having children change their gender, right? Go to the hospital and have surgery to remove what God gave them so they could be something else. Because that, that's not who their self is. It's whatever they want it to be. Actually, it's what Satan wants it to be. Because Satan wants to destroy these people. He wants to destroy them. Examples. What gender are you? What are your pronouns? Are you a human or are you a cat or are you a dog? I don't know if you've ever seen, but there are people that have so many tattoos, they have tattooed themselves to look like a leopard or a lion or a tiger. And they have ears that they have gotten sewn onto their head. Whiskers put into their cheeks. Do you understand? This is demonic. We are not that. We are a special creation of God. He created the animals. Adam named them all. He created man in his own image, in his own likeness. We are a special creation of God. Um, there's a man named Jacques Derrida. He's the one of the postmodern kings. He says this, postmodernism is, if any one thing, a revolt against the Western metaphysical idea that there is a being or logos that grounds knowledge, meaning, and language. Interesting, he used the words logos. Postmodern philosophy is a direct assault on Jesus Christ, a direct assault on Christianity, a direct assault on the Bible. Okay? That's what it is. It's, it is killing the world. It is killing the world. But it has an origin. It has an origin, and we're going to look at where it comes from. And it's in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis was the start of this philosophy. Did you know that? Did you know that? Right? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say? Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? What did Satan just do? What did he do, Greg? Yeah. He just, he wants to misdefine the words that God said. He wants to put his definition on what God said. And it's not just here. Didn't he also say, does he really mean you shall truly die? Right? He's throwing doubt, but he's misdefining what God, he wants them in their heads to redefine the exact phrase that God said, the truth that God said. And of course, they fell for it. And that's Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1, the super said to the woman, you shall not surely die. In verse 4, you shall not surely die because when you eat of the fruit, you should become just as God. This is where it all started, back in the garden. And it just took years and years and years for it to filter down and make it as prevalent as it is today. We as Christians understand that Satan is the author of anything that is false or deceptive. He is called in Scripture the father of lies. The father of lies. There is nothing that comes out of his mouth that is not used for deception or destruction. He may quote the Bible, but he is deceiving when he uses it. Right? Well, if you cast yourself off this thing... Well, if you turn this stone into bread, well, right? He knows what the scriptures say. He's a liar. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. John eight forty four. He is a liar. And his system of philosophy is lies, 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 lies. 
and we have to know it. And the thing is, we see it, right? This is nothing new to us living in 2022. We see it everywhere we go. Now we have a name and we understand where it came from. Now we get it. It's like, wow, really? Now, in the little bit of time I have left, it's ramifications for the world. We're going to get to its ramifications for Christianity because it is affecting Christianity. So there are six ramifications, and there's these, these uh, big words here. Um, equivocation, sounds like you're shuddering. Moral relativism, multiculturalism, anarchy, totalitarianism, and then the elimination of Christianity. Now, one of the interesting things I think on this one is you have anarchy and then you have totalitarianism. They usually don't go together, but in this case they do. Um, what is equivocation? It's the use of vague or ambiguous language which makes the meaning of what is being said unclear. It is not blatantly lying outright. Okay. Lying involves telling a falsehood directly. The sky is pink. That's a lie. An equivocation is concealing the truth or avoiding commitment to a specific stance without necessarily telling any falsehoods. Um, a great group of people that do this all the time, I bet you Steve Padge could tell us, politicians. They equivocate all the time. They don't tell you what they actually mean. They'll just ramble. Right? They, they're good at equivocation. An example is, interviewer, do you support the new law that is being proposed? Politician. I think that the new law has to do with an interesting and important topic. This is a topic that I know quite a bit about, and others have been discussing it often lately, which could help more people learn about it too. Furthermore, this is something that I care about and will continue to care about over time. It really sounds like somebody we know today, right? Space. Or, hey, children, who broke the vase? And then one of your kids goes, someone. That's equivocation. That's equivocation. He didn't say, I didn't do it and lie about it. He equivocated. Right? The intent is to deceive or avoid committing to a specific stance. And then it leads to deconstruction, which is... Um, fundamental conceptual distinctions in Western philosophy. What it, it's an attempt to open a text to several meanings. So in other words, equivocation changes language. That's what it leads to. Okay? That's easier. Or the allegorical method. Moral relativism. You know this one. This is the idea that there's no universal absolutes or moral principles. This one is easy. We know this. You make up your own good and bad depending how they define their own terms. It's a rejection of absolute truth and objective reality. Even if I see it with my own eyes, I don't believe it. Even if you show me, I don't believe it. And then it is said to be liberating. It's liberating because now you're a law to yourselves. It's really not. It's not liberating. It's actually chains. Multiculturalism, this is something we've, we've been taught in school, and we've been taught at work. Um, it assumes that society as a whole benefits from increased diversity through harmonious coexistence of different cultures. They're pushing this at our jobs. Multiculturalism, Larry's wagging his head, yes. Postmodern philosophy pushes this towards a culture being tolerant of all views. All views are correct. This evolves into egalitarianism, which is the modern-day utopia. If we just get along. By the way, what bumper sticker can you think of when you hear that one? Coexist. Right? Coexist. Liberalism has adopted this in their teachings that everyone should be allowed to do whatever they want. Right? Because it's all good. Really, it isn't. Oh, anarchy. This was a group. That's their symbol. But anarchy, you know what anarchy is, right? Anarchy is the state of disorder due to absence 
of any authority or any controlling systems. It's everybody doing whatever they want. If you had anarchy in the city of Detroit, it would be burned down, right? And we've seen it before. Anarchy in places destroys everything. You think stealing is good? Go ahead. See San Francisco. That's anarchy. Think drag shows are good? Look at your modern-day public schools. How about homosexuality? Is that good? Well, just look around you. How about think grooming children is good? Well, see our world at large. Right? Anarchy. Just toss the rules out. Do whatever you want. Now, how does this jump to totalitarianism? Because you know what that is. That's North Korea. Right? Totalitarianism is simply a centralized and dictatorial ruler. And it, it cries for everyone to obey. So how do you go from anarchy to this? Right? How do you go from anarchy when everyone's doing their own thing to this where everyone bows and obeys? Well, on its face, it may seem a huge leap, but it's not. As the world becomes more tolerant and less intolerant, they want them to rid themselves of the intolerant people of groups and societies. So in other words, I only want the tolerant people around. I don't want the intolerant people around. Now, who are the intolerant people? You. You are intolerant because you believe in one way and one salvation and one God and one person, right? And one scripture and one, and you know what I'm saying? You. So they're all going to want to get rid of you. So how do you go from anarchy to totalitarianism? It's simple. The world turns on Christianity. Huh, I think I read that somewhere. Entire countries are adopting tolerant and inclusive laws. So are companies. In doing this, the world will come together as one. True? Huh, because I read it before in the Bible. And then their final goal, and this is where I will stop, is the elimination of true Christianity. Christianity is diametrically opposed to everything postmodernism stands for. Everything that they believe, we don't. Right? Everything that we've gone through up here, we throw that all away because we have one, one book that we have that God gave us. We have one God, the Father of all. We have one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have one Holy Spirit who dwells in us. We have one goal. We have one home. And that just flies right in the face of everything they believe. So they hate us. They hate us. It cannot exist with Christianity. And as time moves on, they're going to become more wait a second, intolerant of Christians? Wait, they can't do that. They're tolerant. Huh, funny. For the postmodernists to be able to do what they want, they must rid the world of all those who oppose them. What's really cool, I think, about this one is that one day God's going to get us out of here for them, right? It's called the rapture. They want us gone, and Jesus is going to go, come on. And then he's going to say, now you've got seven years to do whatever you want. Because at the end of seven years, I take it all back. The hatred against true Christianity is growing. Is that not true? Chris brought it up. There's more shootings at churches than there ever was. Every year it grows. Churches burned down. Christians not tolerated. You go into other countries, they kill Christians. It's not you know, prevalent here in America, but I tell you what, it only is going to take a couple of things to fall into place for them to maybe start doing it. They want to do it. So um, I'm going to stop here because next time I come, we're going to start talking about the ramifications for Christianity because this is bleeding into Christianity. And it's destroying Christianity. Can you really destroy Christianity, though? No, you can't. But remember 
the parables that Jesus told about the tree, right? It's going to, the Christianity is going to be a little seed and it grows into a great tree. And it says all the birds will be in that tree. Well, guess what? True Christians will be in that tree, but false Christians are going to be in that tree. Birds are a negative element there. He also talked about the fact that leaven will be introduced, false doctrine. Christianity is under assault, but it will never die, right? Because, yeah, the gates of hell should not prevail against it because it's the church of not Bill Van Dyke. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's his church, and it will never die. It might be removed, right, at the rapture, but it will never die. So we'll talk about that next time. And then we're going to get into some scriptures. We'll get into the Bible. And I'm sorry we didn't get into much Bible, but I wanted to give you a foundation, a layer, so that next time we can go into it. All right? Let's uh, pray. Father, thank you so much for this time that we have had. Um, and sometimes it's weird, you know, talking about the philosophies of the world and the things that the devil is doing, but we want to be wise as serpents, but we also want to be gentle as doves because there is an answer to all these things. It's things that we can do to rescue the people in this world. So Lord, help us to understand the times that we live in. Help us to understand the things we're up against. But most of all, may this drive us to know the word and to know your son better. And uh, we ask for your help in doing this. And we certainly give you thanks for our common salvation and our common uh, destination that one day we'll reach. But until that time, help us. And we just give you great thanks. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.